Welcome to Brews with Andrews, the Lancelot Andrews podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening as we discuss one of his works as well as what he has to say with the challenges facing our churches today in this world that seems to get darker and darker and more and more insane by the minute. So grab a drink, pull up a chair, and let's dive in. I'm Father Michael. And I'm Father Alan. And this is Brews with Andrews. We need to start this correctly. Here we go. There you go. Very Anglican indeed. We're blessed by the presence of uh, our bishop, Bishop Chad Jones. And uh, most of you have heard him before, and you're in for a treat. (laughs) Well, thank you. It's a privilege to be with you. Thank you, fathers, for having me along today. Yes. Absolutely. And we're going to continue with our uh, discussion of Lancelot's Andrews, all of his sermons on the Lord's Prayer. We will move into the next three petitions. We do the, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. And one thing I'd point out, and this sort of goes back with the last podcast, these are just aren't any words that he just threw together. Every word in the Lord's Prayer has meaning and deepness to it. So when you do your Lord's Prayer, when you go through it in 10-second flat, you're, you're missing so, so much of it. So uh, that, that's why I tell our people at St. Michael's, I'd rather for you to really read one or two verses than one or two chapters so you can really meditate on it and, and to dive into what is being said. Yeah, there's, there's nothing, I think more abused than the Lord's Prayer in our Anglican churches. We, we go through we, pretty quick. <laughs> we knock that thing. We say it every day, which already makes it a struggle to actually contemplate what we're asking for. Yeah. I, I think it was Tozer that was reflecting on kind of the higher church perspective, saying he felt bad for the priest on the higher church because every day and every prayer starts with Almighty God. And they never stop to think about what that means. What is Almighty God? Like that first, like it's right, but like you put your, we're in such a danger by saying it all the time. We just take it for granted and don't actually think about it. Yeah, one thing I've always kicked on on the Anglican use of the Lord's Prayer, it's always amazed me that we go all through the consecration of the Holy Eucharist and everything. All of these miracles happen, host being consecrated in the wine. And what do we do then? We say a prayer that we were taught when we were four or five years old. That's the first prayer we say after all that. And uh... St. Augustine, when he talks about the Lord's Prayer, and this is why it's so important not to rush through it, when we use it as a meditation or a devotional way of prayer, he says, if you devoutly and intentionally pray the Lord's Prayer, it cleanses us from all sorts of sin. Mm-hmm. That is, a, It is a purgation that purifies the heart and the mind and the soul. But in order for the Lord's Prayer to be that kind of purifying act of love in which the grace of the Holy Spirit works as we invoke our Father through the example and the pattern of the Son, we have to take our time with it, and we have to reflect upon the meaning of the words and not rush through it, but to offer it with great devotion, with heartfelt commitment and genuine focus and committedness to God. And if we say it in that kind of pattern, in that kind of mode, then the Lord's Prayer builds its pattern, its truth within us. But in order for that to happen, we do have to take the time actually to contemplate what we are praying. Uh, for those of us who use the Holy Rosary, for example, now that is very quick, but the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, is used in that context to develop a mindset of reflection and contemplation on the mysteries of Christ's life. Now, we may be saying it very quickly as we go through the decades of the rosary, but in so doing, actually, we are pressing on through salvation history and reviewing that in our own heart and mind. That creates the foundation that we need for that kind of proper reflection. So one would imagine that St. Augustine's teaching on that is fulfilled when exactly. someone is devoutly praying the rosary, even if one is moving along quickly. And in reference to the Eucharist, it's so brilliant that you have the prayer of consecration, you have the canon of the Mass, in which the greatest of all miracles takes place, which is Eucharistic consecration. 
and the bread and wine become God, as Michael Davies, that popular Roman Catholic commentator, said in the late 20th century. He said, the Blessed Sacrament is God, and that is the miracle that takes place in the Eucharistic consecration. So you have this perfect prayer. It's Christ's perfect prayer to the Father. Mm-hmm. The Father is adored and worshipped by the Son in the Spirit. The Eucharistic liturgy finds its apex in the Eucharistic canon. And then when Christ offers to the Father his perfect and all-sufficient sacrifice through the power of the Spirit on the altar, we as the children of God then take our place in, with, and through Christ in the action that he has accomplished in the consecration by saying, Our Father who art in heaven. So we take our place in Christ in his offering to the Father. Every Mass, every Eucharist is a representation of Calvary. And it's a representation of our Lord's entire work of redemption. His incarnation, life, death, resurrection, his exaltation, glorification in heaven as our great high priest. And we are joined to him in the whole Eucharistic action. But this is really embodied, it's manifested, instantiated when we say the Lord's Prayer. So the placing of that is perfect. Yeah, it is, it is. We probably generally don't think of that when we go to Mass on Sunday. Do we think about why we have that sequence? Well, that's why. That's why the Our Father is at the end of the camp. Well, when we say the body and blood of Christ, it's there for us. Our Father. I mean, we go right into it. Uh, And we are one with Him. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yes. Well, and I think what you said with Augustine is probably the angle that he dives into first, that being purged of sins, um, because the first point he makes in the sermon of thy kingdom come is how we first seek a renewal of our minds and our heart in in this prayer. Like, If you're truly seeking God's grace for thy kingdom to come, the first thing that's going to be required is renewal of the mind and renewal of the heart. So for the mind, he will talk about God's spirit of wisdom and understanding being granted. And for the renewal of the heart, he's talking about us learning to contemn and live for more than earthly pleasures and our own selves and the mortal life. If we're doing what Augustine says is that if we're allowing this to flush some sins out, to purge it, um, it would be purging this being wrapped up in this life. I think that's why the Lord taught us to seek first the kingdom of heaven and all the other stuff will be added. Andrews walks us through that. And it wasn't... That part was actually pretty easy. It was just two paragraphs instead of two pages. Um, He's just warming up, believe me. (laughs) Yeah, well, warming up, he takes us into reflecting on what the kingdom of God is, or the aspects. And there's really... But here he would say that the aspects of God's kingdom that we should be aware of as we're seeking grace from is it's a universal kingdom, it's a kingdom of glory, and a kingdom of grace. And the first part that we understand is, sure, there's a universal or a universality of God's kingdom where we would talk about him being over all things, kings, rulers, nations, the theological answer. Right. You know, Uh, but then you go, well, what about reality? Because sure, God is king presently over, you know, the Middle East. We're having a problem seeing that worked out, and so it, the, well, he also he gets into the um, the kingdom of sin as well. Well, that's where he says. So we know he's king overall, but he's allowing freedom for rebellion. Right. And so the next next aspect is the kingdom of God's glory, which is referring to God's outer power and protection. And this is the kingdom that the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of sin, and the kingdom of death is in rebellion against. And that's what you are you are seeing there. And because that rebellion's taking place in the glorious realm, he will t- he talks about the kingdom of grace, which is God's inner working within those who profess allegiance to his true kingdom. Mm-hmm. He talks about where God's kingdom is breaking in for each of our lives. And I guess this is the easiest place for us to enter into God's kingdom in order to spread it and to establish it on earth is the kingdom of grace. And so he talks about the part and aspect of the kingdom that grants new birth. Mine's on like page three, um, and this is from anglicanhistory.org, and the links will be there. But we, we, we access the kingdom of grace in hopes of reaching the kingdom of glory and then seeing the kingdom, the universal kingdom established on the new heavens and new earth. 
So when we talk about thy kingdom come, the first thing we're doing is asking for essentially new birth to take place in our lives, for Satan's kingdom of sin and death to be rooted out of our lives, and to begin producing the virtues of righteousness, peace, and joy. Right. We, we want to overthrow that uh, kingdom of Satan that he has in the secular world of all the sin. And so once we cleanse ourselves and overthrow that, then we can start to grow more and more into God's... Matter of fact, I'm reading uh, uh, Sin of uh, Mount Carmel by John Baptist. That's really how he goes into that, that... Uh, uh, that's a superb work. Yeah. Yes. And uh, Definitely. so we're, that's what we're doing here in the Lord's Prayer. We're asking for his kingdom to come. But for that, we have to overcome the, the kingdom of sin that reigns within each of us. And uh, those gods that we have set up in our lives uh, to overcome them so that we can uh, accept the kingdom of the true God. So. Well, and we, we take care of our part. Because, I mean, we, we have all participated heavily in kingdom of Satan, sin, mm-hmm. and Beelzebub. So we take care of our, our heart issues with loyalties to that kingdom first before we try to take care of other folks' loyalties to his kingdom. Yeah, um, and, you know, and even God said, sit thou my right hand till I make thy enemies thy footstool. And that's what we're trying to do is overcome those enemies uh, so that we can... Uh, come to that kingdom, or that kingdom can come to us. Yes, well, the coming is that next point. So he's, so as you wade through, it's, I mean, it's short, it's five pages, but it's amazing what's packed in there. <laughs> um, I don't even think he's, he was being short on this one. He didn't even put any patristic quote in here, I don't think. There's uncommon. One. It's uncommon. He was out of the ordinary. He wasn't. So just the facts. Yes. Um, so if we, we seek the renewal of our minds and our hearts by first entering the kingdom of grace so that we can be made into the, I don't know, someone worthy. It's not the right word, but at least can thrive within the kingdom of glory. And then you can more truly see it if you, if you, you if can, you're, if you're away from the sin and pull away from that, well, uh, then you see the kingdom, God's kingdom. The reference to alignment is so critical, and I love that you use that term about alliance and alignment. Recently, we had the Feast of Christ the King, for yeah. those of us who use the Missal tradition mm-hmm. and Anglicanism. Amen. And in the New Missal, Age, you have the Feast Vatican. of Christ the King, that is the last Sunday in October. And that whole theme points out what the Lord's Prayer identifies as the nature of God's breaking into history, his incoming to the world, particularly in his beloved son and the establishment of his kingdom, we have to choose. The fundamental truth of the gospel is that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. And this simplest of all creeds that we find in the New Testament, uh, Jesus Kurios, or Kurios Jesus, uh, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, makes a demand upon us, and we have to align. There is the aspect of free will here, of synergy, of cooperation with grace. And whose dominion do we place ourselves under? Whose dominion do we accept? And the offer to us is to be under the dominion, the gracious sovereignty of God, and to align ourselves, uh, to be subjects of this kingdom, and therefore to separate ourselves from these evil kingdoms of sin, Satan, death. It makes one think of the three enemies of the soul that we perpetually speak, speak about, in which we renounce in our baptism, uh, our war against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we renounce these kingdoms in favor of the dominion of God himself in Christ. And this requires alliance, alignment. So we have to get ourselves into that kingdom. Well, God does that for us. We're not Pelagians. Uh, new birth comes through baptism, and we are incorporated into Christ, into our Heavenly Father, through this grace. It's uh, sola gratia, grace alone. God is the one who does the work. As St. Augustine says, God goes before, during, and after all the gifts of his grace. He's always coming before, during, and after to achieve in us, as St. Augustine says, uh, that good works in the Christian life are God crowning his own works in his own children. It's God who's doing the work. He's doing the work through us. So this theme of alignment, of alliance, is so critical. 
I think to understanding how Lancelot Andrews describes that the kingdom is unleashed, we participate in this through this conscious and willful alignment. And this then drives out the enemy, a very and, important part of the spiritual life. And if you were to go back and just watch what we just said, the heart has been mentioned 20 or 30 times. And that's where this prayer goes to. And even writes, uh, we must entreat, we must ask God by the power of his spirit to plant in our hearts that which is good and to root out and remove uh, out which is bad. We must displace Satan and sin that they set not their thrones in our hearts. And instead of it, we must set up God's kingdom, ruling us by his Holy Spirit, for the kingdom of God stands in righteousness and peace and joy, which is going to be a theme for St. Michael's next year, joy in the Holy Spirit. And uh, so this, this all goes to the heart and what your heart desires, all your different senses. And so the heart is, is the root of it. And that's why you've heard it mentioned so many times, is to get our hearts right with God. And then we can accept that grace and use that grace in a manner that pleases him and not pleasing the new car we got in the parking lot or whatever. <laughs> the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. It is within you. That's where the kingdom really begins, and then it's unleashed. Right. But the kingdom has to be in our hearts. In our hearts. The kingdom of God is within you, our Lord says. And so that's where it must begin. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and so that this is the very much the conclusion of this sermon is, so you... We acknowledge his kingdom, but that it would come. And then the nature of we should expect, and as we ask it to come, it's going to, as he would say, I got five things. He, it reveals our corrupted appetites for the things of this world, where our hearts used to feed, right. um, those old troughs. Um, it lightens our blind eyes for us to be able to walk in God's ways. It's the St. Paul in Ephesians opening the eyes of the heart to see. And then it inflames and enlarge our hard hearts to love its ways. And for that, he didn't use this verse, but I always think of Psalm 119.32, which is, you know, you enlarge my heart and I'll run in your ways. Um, like it's just make it bigger. Um, Feed me. You know, I was, I was like, it sounds Eucharistic. Yeah. That's right. And then <laughs> it does. It, um, and so, and then also, it removes from our lives all that offends God. Again, this is just what His grace does for us. As we seek His kingdom to come, it first penetrates in our hearts. If it's truly penetrating at that level, as He would say, you'll begin to see the righteousness, the peace, the joy of the Holy Spirit, um, because these things are being removed. We're being restored to what we were always meant to be. And then he concludes with the end times, the eschaton, that this is where God, if, if he honors anything of our own, it is our will, what we desire in this life. <laughs> um, this is just if we have aligned our lives with him based off the light of the gospel and the gift of his grace, then the eschaton is going to be very enjoyable. However, however, <laughs> if you haven't, if you've been using your freedom for yourself and we reach the eschaton, it's not going to be very enjoyable because we're going to be in the presence of light, yourself. light and truth. <laughs> I mean, have yourself confronted with yourself. Yeah, you know, we're like, you know, so it's, one, those choices. it's just based off one of those things presently in our own life. If you if you have to stand in front of a mirror naked, do you enjoy looking at yourself in the dark or in the light? <laughs> Right now, we enjoy the dark. My mother used to say. always say, I always look better in the dark. Exactly. <laughs> and so and so, what he's saying is the eschaton, the light's going to be turned on. Right. And we're going to see where our allegiance truly was. C.S. Lewis points that out in his works in more than one place, but he says so succinctly and so wryly, when we die, we will wake up in the next life, and those who are in heaven will wake up and say... I was already here. Yeah. And then those who are in hell will wake up and say, I was already here. So what we do in this life is definitely the foretaste, the yeah. prelude for what is coming at the eschaton. And so if, Thy will be done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes so, God allows us to do our own will. <laughs> that's right. Uh, which can have negative consequences. Negative consequences. It does. Yes. Well, and that's the best way to learn. 
for better or worse. Absolutely. And so we learn the hard way. And if we haven't taken what Christ has revealed about the kingdom, about what life truly is, I mean, he is the way, the truth, the life. I mean, the way to live, the truth to believe, and the life that we ought to be living kind of thing. If that hasn't become our chief joy, next life isn't as It's suck. not going to be much fun. <laughs> um, and so, and that's, and that's where Andrew's, if we don't actually learn to seek the kingdom's coming now, we're not going to enjoy it when it does. When it comes to its fullest extent, it's, we're not going to be prepared. That's why it's so important that thy will be done. <laughs> yes. Again, that conforming of the will, the yeah. alignment of our will with God's will, in that is found our salvation. And the it, alignment of our will with the will of God. God. And our seeking, therefore, to cooperate with God's will by His grace from the moment of our baptism until the moment of death. And in that is constituted our salvation. Thomas Hotko, that great Eastern Orthodox theologian, talks about the Lord's Prayer as being in every respect eschatological, from the first phrase to the last, that in a true sense all of this has already been fulfilled, and what God is doing is manifesting that, revealing that really? in our own lives. But the kingdom has already truly come. It truly does exist in its fullness in heaven, in the age of the world to come. But as we pray, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, we are challenged then to be used by God to unveil this in our own lives. To spread that kingdom. That, to spread that kingdom. And to spread the kingdom, to unveil it and, and reveal that in ourselves as an instrument. But we are already praying about something that in a true sense has already happened. What we are called to do is bring that into our own sphere of reality. I think, yeah, and I think that happens with each subsequent generation of imagers. Like, it's like each generation has to rediscover God because we are unique imagers, and so this is just part of that restoration of all things. But, nonetheless, the will is there. And will, will we give it to Him? I struggle with this because I've tried to do my best on the outline to put, like, capital will for will and then, like, lowercase <laughs> will for verb. I got so confused with wills in this sermon. Um, he, he came in for morning prayer one morning, and he goes, man, all those wills. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so so what? So, the, so kingdom does begin to come in our heart. Um, if there's no actions beyond that warming of the heart. It's the road to Emmaus. Well, didn't our hearts burn within us? And, yeah. and you didn't actually... So there's still a step beyond the heart warming up to the Lord, and it becomes action. Uh, and so this is what he says. So now we seek thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so it says, not just known, but done. And so this is the same way with our kids. My kids are learning what my will is for them. And after they rebel against it, didn't I tell you that, yeah, you know, so this is just a knowing to doing transition. Um, and we seek the grace to do. If we're truly praying this prayer, this is something to be done. And we're going to look differently in our actions if we're truly praying this prayer, which I don't understand. Um, how this is one of those obvious things. I will be done. This is why no one reads the Bible anymore. Because this has this affects everything from, of course, our worship in the church, but all the way down to our bedroom behaviors. This is so many people say this prayer, and we don't actually try to do anything new. It's about action. It reminds it's you of the Epistle of St. James, where he says, it "Is the doer who is blessed in his deed? The one who simply hears may hear, but." affects uh, no positive change or anything that glorifies God. It is the doer of the work. He is blessed. So we are actually called to act upon what we pray. It's not merely uh, navel-gazing, is it, or yeah. some kind of psychological reflection. It's meant to alter our conduct, our behavior, to conform our will. If the will oh. is conformed, then the actions of the person will express that conformity to God's will. I like that. It's, it's lived out. He's got a sentence in here, not by wishing or desiring, mm -hmm. but by doing of God's will, as Christ saith, the kingdom of God has come near you, 
So Christ tells us if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. So we have to be an active participant in this. We have to not just wishing, but doing the will of God. And so instead of we have the choice to do this or that, uh, in lieu of going to receive the Holy Eucharist or whatever, we have to deny that and do the will of God, which is for us to be at his altar receiving the Holy Eucharist as often as we can. So it's doing it. Uh, what is it, Nike? Just do it. <laughs> That's what God, just do it, people. If you well, do it, you're going to be It's a good slogan. Okay. It's, it's a Christian slogan. Just do it. it. <laughs> but there's, but to a degree, like I had a, a young man come to St. Francis one day, and this uh, he had waited till the service to end to come in. And I remember he came to me. He was like, Father Alan, you should pray for me. I want to start. I want to start over. I want to start new. And he had been in a rough relationship, or he's just being used for his benefits, kind of thing. The check that comes in. It's amazing how that'll keep someone in your life if they get your, if they get that check. So he was ready to start anew, so he thought. And so he comes in, and he's like, just pray for I'm going to start over. This is the day. I was like, that's great news. I was like, but here it is. If I pray for you, the Lord is going to give you grace to do something new. If you choose not to use it, you're actually damning yourself all the more because you're going to learn how to harden yourself against God's working in your life even more. So if so if you're just here, be for, careful what you ask I was for. like, so if you're here for me to pray for you, for God to give you the grace to do something new, and you say, as soon as you leave here, and your woman takes her clothes off one more time, and you go the old way, right? I was like, you are going to harden yourself up, and it's gonna be even harder for you to start new next time. And it's just like, what? We actually have to dispose ourselves to God's grace. Well, we have to use it. We have to use the yeah. means of grace. You think of that wonderful Thanksgiving prayer in the Anglican offices, by tradition penned by Queen Elizabeth I, but perhaps someone else, <laughs> to give thanks for, to God for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. Those two realities are in, intimately, integrally connected. The means of grace lead to the hope of glory, but the means of grace have to be used. They have to be employed. We have to dispose ourselves by God's grace to use the means of grace. If we don't dispose ourselves, if we don't actually make that choice, then there is indeed a greater punishment that could ensue or a greater consequence that could ensue for our failure freely to choose what God is giving us the power and the grace to choose aright. Well, he's, so he's leading us to, to the water like a horse. Yes. Well, and and it's, well, he can't, he's not going to make us drink from it. Exactly. Well, we have to will. He affords will. everything, and all he asks us to do is accept it. Right. And then act upon it. But we have to do that. We yes. have to do it. The scary, but the Don't scary thing is... Thing. Oh, dear. Oh. <laughs> yeah, spiking over here. I, well, the scary thing is, for self-reflection here, Like, so we, we pray this at least twice a day. And if you like the Didache, you squeeze it in at noon, too. Um, and so we're praying that every time, and so how many times, if God had, hypothetically, given us the grace to do his will in that moment, and then of course we chose to do our own will as soon as we prayed this thing, how hard have we made ourselves to the reception of his grace to live his life? It's hardening of hearts. Like, well, we harden ourselves about it to a degree. Like if we, we pray, we're taught to pray this prayer, that's what Christians do according to the Didache. And I believe the Didache. Um, and, but at the same time, thy will be done. So we've prayed it. Give us the grace to do thy will. And yet time and time again, he gives it to us. And we reject it. And, you know, we go back and we'll say the there, co- coarse words to the family because it was a bad day. There I mean, just your is, consequences. Yeah. So it's just, this prayer is loaded. And to the degree of which it, I don't know, calls us all into self-reflection. But it is about doing... And then this is where I glazed over for at least three days. I have a little chart there on the second page of the outline mm-hmm. between God's hidden secret will, secret will and God's revealed open will. Right. He goes through it. Boy, does he go through it. I'm trying to... Um, I got I got check marks. I got lines. Trying to make head or tails of it. But every time we pray this prayer, we are seeking that God's will would become our own will by submitting to his 
secret and hidden will and framing our actions to his revealed open will. We pray for his will and we pray that that will is revealed in us. There's he, a secret. It's the, it's, I look at it as the, it's the mystery of God, uh, which we will never understand. But what he reveals to us, we are to take into our hearts, into our life, and, uh, and it becomes our will, becomes his will. Uh, but the secret we want we want to we want to like make right sure now, you know I look at it with something like this a secret will in our country right now we're in total chaos nobody understands except for God God's will will be done and uh, we don't understand it's a mystery to us but what he's going to reveal to us that he's done for you know 2,000 years now uh, that revelation of God is what we must take into our life fully knowing that we don't, we'll never see them. When we finally get to heaven, I always like to say, we're going to say, oh, that's what you meant. Because <laughs> well, like, there's a mystery yes. that we cannot even fathom. And Well, I think it between these two categories, the secret hidden will is what he has planned for us individually. Mm-hmm. The same way I have a, I have a, I have a picture in my mind of the kind of men I want my boys to grow up to be. And, like, they don't understand how a discipline here and a reward here is going to move them in the direction of a man that's going to respect women and be honest in their endeavors. And, like, so, like, there's that secret hidden part where... You know what you want. So God has an investment for each individual that's going to form us all ultimately into Christ's likeness so that on that great eschaton if we have been if we've been submissive and submitted to ourselves to that bigger picture that we don't know but he knows right we know that by the time we get to that great white throne of judgment we'll just see ourselves on that throne we'll just go oh you turned me into Jesus like how about that yeah. um, but in that process we don't know how each little thing is working out. For our good and working out for the kind of man he wants us to grow up into, or women to grow up into. And then at the on the other side of that, there are points where we do discover his open and revealed will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where he discloses to us, this is where we're going to work right now. And so he's, he's and, then, and once he does reveal something to us, you better do it. Yeah. Um, the same way I tell my boys, like, you know, when I bust them for doing something they shouldn't be doing because this is going to interfere with what I want them to become, they better start changing <laughs> if they go on this one thing. And that's where I think he says... You know, the that, re- that's where that look comes in. <laughs> they see the look. Sometimes it's all that's needed. <laughs> all you need. And so, it's his, so there's, a, there's a bigger picture for God's pleasure, but there's something I did enjoy in this. And I wish this had been used when I was going through my rebellious, hardcore, double Calvinistic stage. (laughs) When he says election and reprobation is something that should be adored, not studied. I loved that. Yeah, I saw that. Because he would tell you the reason that the scriptures is talking about election and reprobation is so we will shut our mouths and adore God who has that power. To do that. To bring adoration and worship. Then, on the other side of it, that open, revealed will, that's what's supposed to be studied. And so he just, he put that in perspective for me, and I felt like there was a lot of healing in my soul from my double predestination day. Excellent. Did you go through some Calvinistic phase? Oh, no, but I've been surrounded by plenty. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've never been subject to the wiles of Calvinism, but I've certainly experienced it with other people. Yeah, so I went through the full cage state. Oh, dear. Like, you know, where they put you, they call it a cage state because once you discover <laughs> Reformed theology, you're really good for nobody because, like, you're doing so much damage that first year that you should just be put in a cage, let it sink Bear in. Cage. And then, yeah. But nonetheless, it was very helpful to say. Isn't that marvelous? Here, Lancelot Andrews really speaks as a Greek theologian. This is. So much a part of the ancient patristic tradition, particularly the Eastern Church tradition, where the mystery of God is to be adored and loved, mm-hmm. ultimately because God is God and has revealed himself to us in love. God created us from love, for love, by love, 
And the essence of God's character is revealed here as God is love, Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, three divine persons, one essence, giving and receiving love forever. And in this communion of persons, we are drawn by grace to participate and to live and ultimately to become ourselves Trinitarian. And if God's default position is love, then such questions as election and reprobation are to be adored as part of God's mystery, Father, as you so eloquently put it. God is inaccessible, in a sense, in his uh, inner being. Of course, you know, the Palamite distinction, I think, is very helpful. St. Gregory Palamas says that God has his essence, which is unknowable, because that's known to God. God knows himself. But then there, there is his energia, his energy, his life. That is known. So in a sense, really, here, almost like a Palamite theologian, Lancelot Andrews is making this distinction between the essence of God, which is unknowable to us because it's known only to God, but then there is God's action, his revealed will, revealed. his energy, his life, which we can know. But in both cases, the default source of it all is, is the very character of God, which is love. And so we do not fear God in the negative sense, but we are awed by God in the positive and called to adore the mystery. Uh, not to figure God out, but to love him and to worship him. That is a, a really fantastic distinction here that one could contend actually has a basis in Eastern theology, Eastern Christian theology. Mm -hmm. It's really very helpful. It, uh, we sort of had this conversation last week when somebody was talking had a specific question. And, of course, they had a specific answer. And the only thing I pointed out to them was when you form these opinions and stuff, Look at the character of God that he's revealed to us and use that. Just because somebody writes something in a book, does it look at the true character of God that he reveals to us daily and use that character of God, of that love and inclusion, uh, not, to, not to quantify things or that are of, of Satan's kingdom, but to realize that this is God's kingdom for us to have compassion, to love one another, to care for one another. And it's a forgiving God. Thank goodness he doesn't use our justice on us. Exactly. <laughs> this is not terrifying because of who God truly is. Right. If God were the monad of Islam, if God were the, you know, the sort of demiurge of of uh, Platonism or of uh, Gnosticism, this would be a terrifying prospect that there is a secret will known only to God that is somehow impenetrable to us in contradistinction to a revealed will which we can openly know and receive by divine revelation. Uh, if God were a monad, if he were, in the words of G.K. Chesterton, sort of a, uh, an, an Eastern despot or tyrant, this would be a very terrifying thing. The truth is, is that God is love himself and seeks to reproduce who he is in us to make us God-like, to make us like Christ, to make us like the Trinity, and to live in that communion of love, of personal communion of love. And so the secret will of God is, as we read in the scriptures from St. Paul and other places, that good and perfect, acceptable will of God. The will of God is always perfect. We may not have access to it in every respect, but it's always perfect, but that's because of who God is in his perfection. A perfection that he has shown to us is based in the fact that he is eternal, giving and receiving love. This is a liberating message in our modern day, that God loves us. It seems very simple, there are a lot of people that don't believe that. <laughs> no, and the gospel is that God actually loves us. And love, me meaning he wills for us that which is true, good, perfect, beautiful. And this fits perfectly into that. So Andrews makes a marvelous distinction here. Yeah. But neither of these things should pose any kind of um, fear, terror, fear, or apprehension but it in does, our spiritual life. Yeah. But it does make one hell of a litmus test. 
<laughs> to see if you're really interested in the things of God. True. Um, because he would say, we show our desire for God's kingdom by our obedience to his revealed will. Yes. Obedience. obedience. Oh, my, my goodness. And people misunderstand the epistle of the Romans so often because they don't remember the beginning and the end of that epistle where St. Paul uses the term obedience of faith. Faith should produce obedience. Yeah. Now, that's not a very popular view for some people, is it? But it, yeah. obedience is critical. It's essential. It's, and so the nature of this part of it is we might wish that he had never revealed any of his will to us because this is the point where rubber meets the road if you're truly into it. I think of what, <laughs> like what Christ said, if you love me, Keep my commandments. Yeah, yeah. It's like, simple. I don't I don't need any more fluffy speech. Like I'm getting plenty of that from Yeah, before we move on, let me just end it with uh there was a uh, quote he had here that uh, got my attention. But when once it pleaseth God to reveal his will, then we must say with the people, Let the counsel of the Lord come to pass. We must not wrestle nor struggle against it, but patiently submit obedience our wills to his not only when god's will when his will is for his will is to do us good and uh so to take away all of the fear is to do us to do good. us good right uh, exactly uh, yes and so i think that's but you have to start trusting that oh sure his will is the better part of it because where when it comes to actually doing god's will Sounds about doing. He says, the requirements for doing it is to actually lay aside to seek the conversion of and discipline of our own wills for God's will. That's you, right where I am. Because you have to, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know where the quote came from. I got, I got the same uh, I thing. I got a list from the sermon. Huh? Yeah, yeah. That's good. Well, um, this is the hardest part of the Christian discipline, which is we have to die to ourselves uh, in order to live to God. And that brings up the whole question of self-denial of metanoia, of repentance, the changing of the heart and mind, dying to self, death to the world, so that we may live unto God. That's taking up the cross and following the Lord Jesus. Whoever will be my disciple must take up my, the cross and follow me, take up my cross, follow me daily. That is the whole question of self-renunciation, self-denial, uh, self-death, ascesis, struggle, War against our own flesh, against the devil, against the world, the renunciation of all that is contrary to God's will in self-denial. As one priest once put it, all of life is a little Lent. Well, that doesn't That's, excite people very much, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> all of the Christian life has to be a little Lent. And all of this torturous things, all these torturous things, we do simply for that unspeakable joy of being in God's kingdom. Absolutely. Hey, yeah. And that's the... So it, for to be able to do God's will and to be able to enjoy or to at least see the enjoyment of a little Lent all life is to actually see the goodness of God's will for us. As And again, that's where the prayer started. This is your Father in heaven. So it, says, it has all the warmth and affection of a father um, with the power to actually do something in heaven. Like we're putting ourselves before it because we have to acknowledge and honor God's will for us as being superior to our own in wisdom, knowledge, goodness, and sovereignty. Since ours, due to our mortality. Now he did not say due to mortality, but this is how I this is how I've started interpreting Sark's the flesh um, as just our mortal nature. Because we know, like the devil who knows his days are numbered, is angry because we feel our mortality we find ourselves more in need to lash out and take things into our own hands so but because of that mortality um, we're blind foolish sinful and in need of guidance we're limited creatures we have to understand that he is unlimited and to give ourselves to him granted and here's your like asterisks we can't do anything on our own we're not the whole pelagian thing so we must seek God's grace and power, um, and it starts with a passive grace, um, which is, that's what awakens us to him in the first place. 
And then the act of grace, which actually accomplishes this new way of living in Mm -hmm. our lives. Um, And that's where he rolls over to the next sermon. Right before he gets to it, he's got here, uh, uh, as Solomon saith, do not lean to thy own wisdom. Every man is a beast by his own knowledge. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> I, I sort of like that one. That's good. I mean, yeah. uh, he definitely th- believes in original sin. <laughs> Maybe not original guilt, but he right. believes in original so, sin. Yeah. Man is fallen. That's yes, a, in his um, natural state, not supernatural, but natural state, yeah. he's fallen. Yeah. We cannot do these things of our on our own of our own. Right. We need a and, vaccine. And and again, <laughs> yes, we need the cure. Vaccine is where it's at. The, it's a, the vaccine is. I'm still wrestling with that in my children's Bible, um, of how the serpent would, the serpent's works would be crushed and done away with um, by the seed who will give us a transfusion of his resurrection life. It's That's way out there. there. Some That's beautiful. Work. Yeah. Baptism and Eucharist are the principal vaccines that s- cure the disease, save Thank us from you. the disease. You almost, you almost believe that's a medicine of immortality. A medicine of immortality. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, we should have come up with that one ourselves. St. <laughs> Ignatius of Antioch did. <laughs> and so, again, rubber meeting the road. We pray for God's kingdom. We'll pray for God's will. And we want to move beyond just the warm and fuzzies of our hearts and actually do it the right way, which is why that next petition <laughs> is in earth as it is in heaven. And as he'll make the, his first point in this sermon is that this is actually an appendix to the first three petitions. Mm-hmm. So it's not just to be able to honor, sanctify God's name. It's not just to, for God's kingdom to come. It's not just for his will to be done any way, the way we feel like is right. Well, I think that's good enough. Yeah, that don't that'll, mean a, work, that'll work. <laughs> that does not mean a thing because Christ in his wisdom has says you can do better and says to be able to do it in earth as it is in heaven. So here becomes that appendix that shows us that it's not just about doing the action of hallowing God's name or spreading God's kingdom or doing God's will, but it's equally about how and what manner these actions are done. How dare you tell me that I'm not doing it right? <laughs> um, so, But nonetheless, that's where Andrews takes it, and I think he's right. And then he goes back to, I don't think he was happy with his sermon on the will uh, because I feel like his full example he sort of, of goes back a little bit. he just deals with the will pretty much with, doesn't really. Well, it's a huge subject. <laughs> so he revisits it. <laughs> I mean, we've all done it. You'd kind of redo your sermon that you preached last week. So you try to round it back out. And he's rounding out where he wanted to go, I think. With this last sermon that we'll discuss in Earth as it is in Heaven, is he gives us a qualification an elevation of the soul, and an application in this. So the qualification of this is how God's will is done within heaven and what that actually means for the way we pray. And again, he does the whole three heavens thing. The lower heaven, the second heaven, and the earth I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm all about the third heaven. You know? <laughs> it's like a Pauline cosmology, isn't it? I, oh, yes. In Corinthians. When I, when I read this, I think... It's like having a beer with one of my, my flat earth friends. <laughs> and it's just like, you know what? I can go with a flat earth in the spiritual realm because I understand this cosmology. And so he's going to move through it, but he has to understand what's taking place in heaven. Well, in the first heaven, it's the weather. The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous, right. just and unjust. What happens in the second heaven, the heavenlies? Well, the sun, moon, and stars obey our Lord's will. Think back of when they stood still. They might not have liked it, but they did it. And then finally, the third heaven is the throne room where God, the angels, and the saints dwell, and they obey the will and commands of God at wish. And so therefore, when we say on earth, in our life, as we are right now, as it is in heaven, he gives us a list. Based off of the three heavens, he would tell us, We are asking to be able to sanctify God's name, 
to spread his kingdom and to do his will in such a way that heaven can use us to bless the earth like all the what all the weather. As Christians, we like to take care of our tithing members. But why would I ever take care of the person outside the church? Um like it's just the it's, it's that hard jux. We will Paul tells us to do good for the household of faith first. But that doesn't let us off the hook for the reprobate outside the kingdom still. And so we have to try to be like the weather, to be just as good as to our highest tithing member as we are to that person at McDonald's. It, uh, and this goes back to what we just talked about for the good of man. He's got here, the earth answerably will bring forth her increase for the good of man. Mm-hmm. Regardless of who that person is, uh, we're to bring that that love of Christ to everyone. It's got here, but if the heaven be brass, the earth also will be iron. <laughs> so it, uh, yeah, it's for the, the good of man. All of this is given for the good of man, and for to, all men. To be able to live for the good of man. I think it's why we're, we're asking for all of this. And to be able to apply it for everyone, Christian and unchristian, equally. And good old Lancelot, he will bring in in respect to, in respect of his body, which is called Christ. He is on earth. Therefore, we pray that Christ on earth, that is the church, Christ <laughs> on earth. May, there you go. May do God. Body. May do God's will, even as Christ, the head, who is in heaven, hath done it. That as Christ our head came not to do his own will, but the will of him. Who sent him? But the will of him, that him, so the whole body of Christ may labor Mm. to fulfill the same. Yeah, I think that, and that was point number two. You're doing really good at following the sermons this go around. I'm on it, man. You're making me, I'm I'm so encouraged. Have we got this together? We're on here, (laughs) because point number two is, so we, we pray for... You know, on earth as it is in heaven. The second point is that we're praying that the earthly body of Christ, the church, would match its heavenly head, the ascended Christ. And so that's that second part of this prayer. It's not just to do good for all men, but to do it as Christ would have us do it. And then from that, the third thing he says, we so we want it in as in heaven. We're praying that we might be like the angels, which are ready to do God's will. Uh, at least the good angels. I feel like there's mm-hmm. always got to be an asterisk there, because you guys, you know, my my favorite saying to the door door evangelist, it's like when I don't have my collar in and I can fully play devil's advocate. <laughs> and I was like, wait, let me stop you there. You want to? You want me to pray a prayer so I can go to heaven? Well, yeah. I'm like, well, if heaven's that great, why the angels leave just to get laid? Oh no! And the conversation goes down from there. So they a, probably dropped their Bible. <laughs> so, so it's always a, an asterisk next to there. So we want to be able to do the will of the loyal angels, right? And and not just the angels, but the saints that we know who are there. We we know the kind of earthly imagers who have been elevated into the heavenly realm until we can all receive our glorified bodies. And so we are praying um, to follow the example of the saints in heaven, becoming saints in the earth and bearing the heavenly image, as all of them did. Um, He would move us through. So he's essentially, in the sermon, just kind of moving through. All right, several times in scriptures, we're given glimpses of what's actually in heaven. And so he's essentially moving through the crowd and saying... All right, just like this one, just like this one, just like this one, we're praying that that becomes a reality in our lives. And so he's, he goes from weather to the to Jesus who's on the throne, to the angels who are around the throne, and then the saints who are on the other side. He's just saying there's a lesson to be learned by every person that's there. Then he would say, having that canopy of or that great cloud of witnesses, we're praying that we will obey heaven's will even when it strikes against our natural inclinations. Liking. We don't have to like it. Mm. We don't have to like it. Yeah. Um, is, and, it's, and so he moves He moves back through that same pattern. He goes, how much do you think the sun and moon enjoyed stopping just so Moses could win a battle? And or is it Joshua? Al- he's also got in here, which is one of my favorite words in Scripture, 
<laughs> without murmuring. Without <laughs> murmuring. <laughs> I love murmuring. <laughs> oh, that's our... We all have that gift. Yeah. And then, like Christ, who laid down his own mortal life, we want... We gotta be... I mean... We perpetually, if it, this is a little lint, all of life, we we have to admit that we're like Christ most of the time on that night before Gethsemane. You know, Lord, I really wish you could do it another way. But, but we have thy to be. Thy will. Thy will be done. Take uh, this cup if it be thy will, but thy will, not my own, be done. Yeah, and then, like the angels, and he, he built this up when we actually did the angels um, podcast. Like the angels who are willing to leave heavenly bliss. To help us mud creatures, we have to be willing to leave our comfort zones. And then like the martyrs, too. Um, I had that marked. It's it's like the martyrs who are there in Revelation. How long, oh Lord? They're still quite going They're ready to just flush this whole thing and let them be vindicated. And God, thankfully, because we've come to salvation since, has said, no, wait. The full number hasn't been reached. And, well, you and I, who've... We're benefiting from his patience. Even well, that's e- the, patience, the patience of God. Yeah, and so even he's got to be the most patient person. Yeah, because even the Infinitely. martyrs, definitely, because even the martyrs in heaven are not very content. No. How long, Lord? Seriously, you know what they did to me? Can you imagine that? Because I think everyone who's martyred, I think Revelation kind of paints that picture of you die angry. You're just like. They took my head off. I was doing your will. Can you get rid of it? And God just says, wait, rest here. Here's your robe. And just patiently pushes through. So anyway. And then he, I like how he says, we don't want to be like the demon who have to begrudgingly do God's will. Mm. They hate him. They don't like what he's doing. <laughs> it's like even when he comes in the flesh. But sure it will. <laughs> just, so even when he came in the flesh, the demon's like, I know who you are. Like, this is like... I mean, I know I have to do everything you say, but I don't have to like it. Right. We don't, we're actually, to pray, to like in heaven, we're actually asking to become a heavenly creature instead of the hellish ones. And that's C.S. Lewis. We're all in the process yes. of becoming nice. even more heavenly or more hellish. Hellish. Right. One or the other. Pick your track. And so when we're seeking those things, he says, we're talking about an elevation of the soul. And in his elevation, we're talking about seeking the things that are above. So here's what it looks like. Like the sun, moon, and stars, like the angels, like Christ who sits on the throne. We want to be like that. But he puts like a little bit of a disclaimer here. Because we're talking about, and I stole this from the AA and NA meetings, um, is that, you know, we're seeking progression, not perfection. As he was, as, and I think in this sermon, and I write it, um, it, this is about quality, not quantity. Mm-hmm. We're just looking for a few good actions of the right quality. You're not going to be able to do all of your actions in a heavenly manner. So as he moves into an elevation of the soul, he's like, this is not, we're not going to reach full theosis in this life. Um, and so like, we're just in the process of becoming. And so it's... Uh, yeah. and also- isn't this wonderfully theosis-based, though? He has outlined so marvelously under the question of God's will and the qualification that human beings are ennobled and graced to make this progression to become the image and likeness of Christ, to become godlike. When he talks about that we become like God's weather for the earth, we become, by God's grace, the reflection of the heavenly head as the church uh, living in this world, that we would be like the angels, an angelic life doing God's will, that we follow the example of the saints and therefore become the saints, become saints ourselves, reflecting, bearing that heavenly image. That is pure theosis. Uh, That is exactly what you read in the early fathers, particularly uh, saints like John Damascene or John Chrysostom. Mm -hmm. It's marvelous how he ties all that together and then says that if we become godlike, we will do God's will because our nature is starting to change, and this That's may contradict nature, yeah. natural inclinations. Natural inclinations become supernatural inclinations yeah. by grace. So you have this beautiful description of theosis, of becoming divine, deification, de- being divinized. And then he says it's progression, so you're not going to reach perfect theosis in this life. Um, well, we're, we should be in the state of becoming 
divine, but we're not going to be uh, godlike in this world. That's going to have to wait for the, the, the world to come, the glorification on the last day, the day of resurrection, the general resurrection, when all things are raised up in Christ, all things are transfigured. But this is such classic orthodox theology. <laughs> but he does it in a moral way, too. He illustrates that there is a moral progression. This is not merely, uh, or, or more profoundly, uh, an ontological change, but this is something that's actually going to cause us to change the way that we act. And then, and, then the, and then the preacher comes out as he goes, I guess, St. Augustine. Uh, he says, uh, but we will say it is not yet time. Mm -hmm. There's been people. It reminds me of give me chastity, but not yet. Right. <laughs> Another Augustinian reference. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, and it's 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 like my, my wound here. Yeah. Um, this is... As I have pain, it's taken a it's taken a month for this thing to heal. I ripped it open. He really ripped it open. And so and like so, modern medicine, at least from the doctor I went, second doctor I went to, says it has to heal from the inside out. Like so, it's you're building into new flesh, and it's like this whole thing. It's just and this is why I like Andrews is like he'll never use these terms of theosis but he's <laughs> painting the picture of this healing from the inside out absolutely and so it says it's a healing it's a he transformation he stays close, closer to the scriptures than I think some of our orthodox brothers do by building systems of theology to explain he's like it's just this is all New Testament it is yeah, yeah. he yeah. stays closer to it um and then, so, as we're in this state of progression, there is the application where he ends. And so, three points again, very Baptist. Um, <laughs> He's got his points. Yeah. <laughs> Every sub-point. Um, as we pray for the will of God to be done, or the kingdom to come, or the name to be hallowed, we must seek to perform it once it is revealed to us. And he starts doing kind of a, there's the micro particular will for us, which is personal sanctification, and then the macro general will, which is just be patient in suffering. Like, we're going to have both being revealed to us. Like, there's generalities in the New Testament. It just says, here's the basic dispensation of a Christian. you got to do that too. But there's going to be micro revelations um, that you'll have to work on individually as well. Like, there's, there are, in the progress, in the in this progressive sanctification that's taking place, there's going to be little things that the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to work on in your life. But he's not working on that in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and so... It's suited to the individual it person. It is. And, and Andrew says we have to stay in step with the Spirit when those things are revealed to us. Just as much as we have to stay in step with, the here's general, the bigger picture. The general, yeah. And then the second, his second point is we must not postpone our spiritual lives thinking we'll do it in the future. Ah, spiritual procrastination. Yes. What do you know? Not a good idea. It was a problem right. back then, too. Uh, Who knew? Not. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. A lot of people do that, don't they? We they, do it. They put it off. They Every think, well, we'll just delay this. It's too hard. Well, we can start I'll get that back to this later, and then it may be too late. Uh, yeah. But, uh, and so he's wrestling with it. And then there's, finally, we must seek God's will for our own countries where God has placed us. He's a king's man. What can you say? I've been waiting. True Anglican, a monarchist. Uh, I've been I've been waiting for it we, to come we up. We did a, a <laughs> show on uh, Christ the King a couple of months yeah. ago, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, uh, we, it, it was so applicable to what we're in right now. It, that, it was it, it was the, like nothing else. It was the podcast on because there was no king. Because there was no king. Everyone did, did what was right in their own eyes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so half that sermon. Was praise of King Jimmy. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just not going to. And so he does end it, and that's, that's where we are. I mean, because the state of our country, I felt like it was necessary to start drinking a double American IPA because <laughs> we all needed a double dose of Americana. Remember, it was a double shot of God. But, but that's, I mean, that's the Old Testament for the, even in the exile, do good for the place that you're placed within. And so every time we pray this prayer, we are praying for us. 
but we're also praying for part of the world we're placed in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's always... That is profoundly, tremendously sacramental. Mm-hmm. That we consecrate, being God's instrument, God's sacrament, mm-hmm. we consecrate our nation, our home, our family, our community. And as we advance from grace to grace, glory to glory, we seek to embody and to express God's will more and more intensely, both in our personal lives and in a general sense. That is the outworking of theosis, yeah. where we become God's presence in a tremendously real, powerful way to other people individually, but also, in a general sense, where we are, where we live. And it's amazing how he gives us grace to be able to do that, things that you never even thought of before. Right. <laughs> you thought, what am I doing? Oh, I guess God's leading me to do this or whatever. Yeah, and but, that's... Yeah. But that pretty much rounds out the next three sermons. This is a 13-sermon Sermon, series, yeah, series on the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, and we do appreciate the bishop joining us and giving Thank us his insight. I think he's enjoyed it. I have enjoyed uh, it thoroughly, immensely. This has yeah. been terrific. Thank you. So if you would close us out with a blessing, we certainly would be appreciative. Certainly. The Lord be with you. And with, with thy spirit. spirit. Let us pray. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.